0: Hello, Sass with Cass listeners, whoever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Cass. Today's May 1st, 2020. Before I get started on what is bound to be a deep rabbit hole today, I would like to thank you for listening. I don't know how you found the podcast, but I'm certainly glad you have. All of my listeners are encouraged to reach out to me. Give me some of your common sense. Leave me a voicemail or text at 859-951-8870. Or visit anchor.fm slash sasswithcass and leave a voice memo. You can also drop me an email at climbaboardmysoapbox at gmail.com. Don't forget to visit the blog at climbaboardmysoapbox.blog. Now let's dive into today's very serious topic. Episode 3, A Mass Society. (laughs) I don't watch a lot of TV, and what I do watch is not the news. We don't even have cable, satellite, or an antenna. We stream our entertainment, and we have the cheapest subscription to one streaming service. And I'm not getting paid to advertise, so I'm not going to mention the service we use. Regardless, we made the choice long before it was trendy, before most folks even had heard of streaming TVs. Because of this, we often catch shows, you know, a week later, or we see movies much later than most. And we don't visit movie theaters very often either. Like anybody, when I got downtime and I've had a lot lately, I peruse through the freebies and see what shows I could binge watch or what movies I may have missed out there. I stumbled across a movie that was eerily similar to the times we're living in right now. I haven't watched it yet, but I did do a little research. The movie came out in 2009, directed and written by two brothers who have other similar movies under their belt. Now, I'm not here to get into movie reviews, nor am I a paid spokesperson, but I actually recognize three of the actors in the trailer, and if you know me, that says a lot. All in all, it's almost spot on to the pandemic we're in right now, 11 years later. I know, I know, all those Hollywood apocalypse movies follow the same storyline. They all have good guys and bad guys and zombies. But this one, titled Carriers, does not have zombies. Now, what struck me also as absolutely frightening is when the narrator spoke of the rules. I actually paused the trailer several times so I could write them down for you. Here they are. 1. Avoid populated areas at all costs. And I noticed everybody was wearing surgical masks. Number 2. You come in contact with other people, assume they have it. Number three, the virus can survive on surfaces up to 24 hours. Never touch anything that is not disinfected. Number four, take what you need and never look back. He went on to say, you break the rules, you die. Doesn't that just give you chills? It does me. This virus was taking everybody out. Ages, genders, races, didn't matter. Now, I'd love to get my hands on a crystal ball in Hollywood, because while I don't buy into conspiracies, movies like this can make you think of the phrase, Wag the Dog. Almost as if they knew the virus was laying dormant, and if the movie was made just to see how the world would react. One of the reviews I liked said, It's not a film about gradual extinction of humankind. It's actually about the horrible demise of humanity. not imagine the greatest country in the world becoming like China, where everyone walks around with masks on. I had some interesting interactions when I posted a question on social media regarding face masks. Here's a few of the comments. Steve in South Carolina said, I think citizens in America should have the freedom the Constitution gives us. If you want to work, work. If you want to shelter in place, then shelter in place. Same with the mask. Cheryl in South Carolina said, this is a tough call face masks are a hot debate here in my opinion they're a good idea someone may be young and no health issues to make them high risk for complications but not everyone they come in contact is some say the handmade masks aren't worth a nickel there again my opinion is if two people encounter each other and both are wearing masks the value is increased yeah we all know some folks who thinks it violates their rights Anyone can be walking around with this and not be showing signs, but still exposing people around them to it. Those they expose could be vulnerable. My grandmother was a firm believer in, quote, my rights end where another's begin, end quote. Tom in Kentucky said, Wearing a mask should be up to each individual due to life experiences, etc. I don't wear a mask every time, but I do take one with me and judge the surroundings when I'm out. Lisa in Georgia said, Romans 13one 2 Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Debbie in Pennsylvania said, We've had to wear them here for several weeks in stores. I think that's a good idea because you're in close quarters. I don't think it's necessary outside, i.e. parks, beaches, etc., It all comes down to being responsible. Don't cough and sneeze on someone, and if you're sick, stay home and sanitize. We can't live in fear. We must live wise. Now, reading these statements just kind of has a familiar vibe to me. I recall the early 80s when our fear was of AIDS. Life, especially for the same-sex partners, was presented to us as morbid. Whispers filled the air about those that got it and immediately labeled them as a gay or lesbian and condemned them to hell. Then it quickly became known that even heterosexual partners were infected. Children were getting it. At first, it was thought to be just through casual contact, but later on they determined to have possibly been passed from the mother to the baby during birth. Blood transfusions were a possible link. By the end of the 90s, I believe it was said that AIDS was the fourth biggest cause cause of death worldwide. Estimated 33 million people were living with HIV and 14 million people died from AIDS since the start of the epidemic. And I looked up some of these numbers. As of 2017, 19.5 million people are receiving treatment for AIDS. 38,000 new HIV infections still happen in the United States each year. Lives were forever changed because of AIDS. Rules of engagements were established. Lives were lost. Businesses went under. And then we forgot about it. 2001. We didn't even have a deadly virus. We had terrorists. September 11, 2001. Forever etched our memory. The citizens of the United States were suddenly thrown into a state of fear, shock, and disbelief. The world became focused on terrorists. Though the death toll was nothing compared to a virus, lives were lost, and some that walked away didn't even know they were dying of a slow death. Businesses were destroyed, the economy was hurt, heroes emerged, war was declared, and it felt imminent. Bomb threats began to fill our minds, and we forgot about AIDS. 2003, China struck again with sars Though I don't think this virus seemed to have lasted very long. I think it was squashed pretty quickly. It did affect 26 countries. By the end of July, there hadn't been any reports of SARS. And I think there was less than 10,000 reported and less than 10 officially diagnosed in the United States. And that's just the numbers I could find. Six years later, 2009, we saw the flu pandemic in the United States. Initially, they called it the swine flu. I guess it's called H1N1. CDC said it was a novel influenza virus, not previously identified in either animals or humans. It spread quickly across the United States and even the world. I think in a year, the numbers I looked up, there was 60.8 million cases and 12,500 deaths. Just in the U.S. due to H1N1. The CDC also estimated that as many as 575,000 people died worldwide. We began to hear more about flu shots, gene sequencing technology, decision-making risk assessment tools, all sorts of things to keep this from happening, keep it from growing. I wasn't able to find any concrete or clear answers on the economic impact caused by H1N1. But you know what? We forgot about AIDS, 9-11, and SARS. Here we are, 38-plus years have passed since AIDS. 19 since 9-11, 17 years since SARS, and 11 since H1N1. And again, thanks to China, 2020 has been all about COVID-19 pandemic. Things changed for many of us, directly and indirectly, after each of those historical events. After AIDS, testing was the thing. You had to ask your social partners. First responders were afraid to treat wounded in the field without protection. The irony to AIDS that stands out to me I remember being part of a mock trial competition, and the case was based on a prison guard getting AIDS. That was many years ago. And folks, AIDS is still out there. After H1N1, everyone was scared of the simple sniffle, and of course, then there was the swine-related jokes. I don't recall much happening to change our life after SARS. At 9-11, it became crowd control, extra security, attack of the religions. We also had to grow accustomed to removing sunglasses and hats to go inside a bank. What about being practically strip searched and forced to endure x ray machines in an airport? We're still feeling the effects of 9 11 through the government mandated Real ID for airport travel. After 9 11, schools stepped up resource officer coverage. Some even installed metal detectors. Kids weren't allowed to carry backpacks, hoodies and jackets weren't allowed in some of the classrooms. Another one that comes to mind is much like all these viruses is MRSA. I know of lives lost right here where I reside. I also know rules are in place but are not followed. They weren't in 2017, and I'm sure they're not now. We all know that once they open up the world again, we'll go right back into the old habits that got us here. It's already happening. I've heard the stories from families and friends. Folks wearing masks not covering their noses, wearing them on their head, wearing them around their chin or their neck wearing them on their head, going the wrong way in a clearly marked grocery store aisle. As with all of these life-altering events, these rules were soon relaxed after a period of time. Physical security is not stopped attacks on schools, airports, or banks. Evil will find a way no matter how many laws, provisions, or barriers are in place. Laws are locks. Just keep honest people honest. What's going to be the fallout of COVID-19? Are we doomed to be a mask society, society as a new normal? What's going to happen to retail stores, banking, healthcare industry, jewelry stores, pawn shops, check-hashing stores, gas stations, airports, schools, casinos? Let's think about our lives post-COVID pandemic. Close your eyes and imagine our new mask society. Now, here in Kentucky, we're supposed to start wearing masks in public and or at work beginning on May the 11th. I think of it as M-Day, Mass Society Day for the BBN. Sure, some of you are already styling and profiling in these cute and stylish masks you made, or you had a friend make, and I'm willing to bet some will even color coordinate their wardrobes. Hell, I've already been asked about custom masks with sports logos on them. But let's think of the evil-minded that are already plotting how they can get away with something. Suddenly, face masks are a fashion statement. And there'll be no red flags going up when a masked individual enters a bank, a casino, school, airport, or a check-cashing store. Society will become desensitized to the masked madman. I mean, when the police respond and take a witness statement, what characteristics will you have besides height, possible assumed gender, and maybe weight? Was there any facial hair? No clue. Moles? No clue. Square jawline? No clue. Gold teeth? No one will know. Will we be required to remove them when we do our banking? If not, then should we even worry about hats or sunglasses anymore? Okay, so let's just forget about the evil that lurks and talk about our entitled society. What about the disposal of these masks? Let's be real and honest. Our society is not overly concerned about others that walk among us. How many masks do you think we will start seeing littering the parking lots, streets, sidewalks, and public bathrooms? I think masks will litter our world. Why? Because you already know my opinion, we're a lazy society. Don't tell me you don't think it'll be a problem, especially when you hear the horror stories of thousands of people taking their shit on the sidewalks in San Francisco. Hell, there's an app for that. I saw a post on our local police department's social media page a while back, why we were supposed to be staying at home and staying healthy now. The photo was a local parking lot littered with latex gloves. The police were pleading with the public to clean up after themselves and went on to say that businesses employ people to clean up and it isn't safe for them to be cleaning up the sort of disposal. From the pictures, you could clearly see that those selfish and lazy society members had gotten into their car, tossed their damn gloves out the window. They could have easily just put them in their floorboard or trash bag in a car. Instead, since their sense of entitlement gave them the false belief that it's okay to ditch the gloves that could carry germs, for somebody else to deal with this is the very reason we're in the mess is because of this mentality let me ask you this do you know what muscle memory is if you use the internet you'll get this definition let me read it the ability to reproduce a particular movement without conscious thought acquired as a result of frequent repetition of that movement they say it takes 3,000 repetitions to make something become muscle memory Have we honestly washed our hands the exact same way 3,000 times since January 2020, when the official word of this virus got out? Maybe. Maybe not. You would have have to have access to the exact same situations every single day to train your brain. That means either having access to soap and water or walking around with sanitizer on you 24-7. Once many of us were plucked from society and told to stay home, did we really need to wash our hands with the same intensity or frequency? I venture to guess that that's going to be a uniform no because in our homes we have a sense of safety knowing that no strangers have brought anything into our small world but folks let me share with you an experience that actually proves that to be a false sense of security sadly it wasn't very long maybe a week after we were all on stay at home orders that we had one of our cars broken into no damage was done for the pump to gain entry We had taken this vehicle in for some recall work just before all this happened. We got it back, and it sat untouched for a few days. We didn't do our due diligence and check the car and make sure the security features hadn't been altered, and we knew better. The work that was done on it shouldn't have realistically required anything to change, but we should have checked it. It's our responsibility. It's our property. Not doing so meant that the auto-lock feature had actually been turned off and the doors were unlocked. We sort of aided the entry, even though the punk had no right to touch our private property, and there's laws against it. Of course, when you're out wandering a neighborhood at 2.30 in the morning, you don't expect anybody to stop you, so you do what the hell you want. We caught it on our cameras, but only after a neighbor had notified us that theirs had been broken into. Once we reviewed the security footage, I felt a flood of anger, and then I thought, what if this person was sick? Every surface they touched could have been covered in germs. They spent about 30 minutes in the vehicle. We could clearly see them in the driver's seat, reaching over, touching, reaching over the passenger side, touching everything. 30 minutes they were in that vehicle. And then when they shut the door, they leaned against it, putting their hands on the door just to push it shut so they didn't slam it and make a noise. This is not how a typical victim thinks. I know. I know. We've had another instance of a car being vandalized, and I never once thought about or worried about germs. But this is the way we have to think now. We may not be washing our hands at home, but if you make trips out, who touches your car? What about the items we purchase via curbside pickup or even Amazon? It's a shame we have to think this way. Realistically, our world and our processes are going to change drastically. The protective measures businesses are going to be required to put in place the assumption that others sanitize things and the time it would take to go through the processes is going to drive costs up so on so many levels. The assumption alone that folks wash their hands is why we're in this mess we're in today. Now, I know so many individuals are harping about how all this stuff violates their rights, from travel restrictions to masks. I don't want to get into any of the right stuff. Before I state my personal opinion, let me preface it with, I consider myself educated, level-headed individual. I have common sense and seasoned in life experiences. I also have a personal issue or vice, shall we call it, against the covering of my mouth and face. It literally has been that way my whole life. As a child, I recall my daddy would toss blankets on me, playing or scuffling, and I would automatically resort to a fight mentality to get out. All those things, combined with my personal health history, which is not anyone else's business, is how I form my opinion. Which is, wearing a mask is necessary if and only if you feel fear for your life. I feel the same way about wearing a seatbelt, a motorcycle helmet, carrying a weapon, putting on sunscreen, smoking a cigarette, wearing open-toed shoes while you do yard work. Some of those have laws attached, but they should all be personal choices that has nothing to do with laws or rights. Because I'm a level-headed, educated individual who likes my job and want to return one day, I will have to give in to the masses and wear a damn mask. It will not be a pleasant experience, considering I'll be working in a warehouse without air conditioning in the Kentucky summer heat while operating a 300-plus degree heat press. Now, i've already established that i do not subscribe to the news outlets in any fashion i swear on all that is sacred that i had this discussion a few weeks ago with my husband we were talking about how things are going to change once the world opens up again how our lives are going to be impacted in every facet one thing we talked about was education we already hear that teachers are overworked and underpaid and there's never enough money for education or feeding the kids All those things are not going to magically fix themselves after this mess, I can promise you that. They will be the least of our problems. The institution of learning is going to see a major rework. Rooms will suddenly have some sort of dividers and fewer desks. Students will be forbidden to line up single file for lunchroom and bathroom breaks. You won't hear a teacher tell little Johnny to scoot up because little Jane won't bite you. Asking kids to wear masks will be an option depending on the age, but I can bet it won't work on elementary kids. Hell, it probably won't work on high school or college kids either. The effort will be made, and there will be a lot of calls home to little Johnny's parents because he pulled the mask off again several times to yell across the room to his buddies or to get the teacher's attention. And God forbid the mom that makes little Johnny a mask that offends someone and he's given a generic mask along with a note to send home to his parents. Anyway, students will sit in a classroom with fewer students. They'll eat lunch at a table with maybe two others barely close enough to carry on a conversation. Because we have to keep fewer kids in the building, schools are gonna have morning and evening schedules where we already have a teacher and resource shortage. In homes with kids of different ages, parents will have to change their home lives to accommodate each of the kids' schedules. Some classes will be online because they don't have enough teachers to go around. Schools will have to entertain a year-round schedule. Sports, assemblies, plays, clubs, fundraising events, all gone. Parent-teacher conferences, remotely if they're done at all. Students will see less people and have less friends, and social skills will begin to diminish even more. Those students that are already suffering depression and isolation will suffer the most. Will we notice it? I have only imagined what public schools will be like because that's an area I see hurting the most from all of this. Colleges can get by with online learning, but parents will still be expected to pay high tuition costs, and it's not gonna be fair. We won't win a battle arguing with them over the costs either. Their argument for the tuition will be because sports and concerts and other social gathering money-making opportunities no longer exist and they have to have some way to pay for the scholarships, technology, and maintain facilities. Those students will also suffer socially because traditionally, colleges where most young people these days discover themselves and their lifelong friends. Professional sports will no longer have a huge influx of top-notch recruits because these athletes won't be playing and getting better. Many will lose their identity because sports is all they've ever known. These future leaders of America will see an increase in depression and, sadly, suicide rates. Will we even notice it? Because of the new education system and the potential requirements to clean 24-7, the demand for a lot of things will be diminished. Specifically, sports equipment and uniforms. And this hits me hard because that's what I do. I decorate uniforms for sports mostly, in colleges and schools. And, of course, your little leagues. If schools don't have sports, I could very well not be working. Manufacturers will lay people off, closing factories, reducing production. Resellers will close doors. There's nothing to resell. Little leagues and club sports will begin to disappear. Hell, summer baseball and camps have already been called off in many states, including Kentucky. This will then lead to stores having less inventory to sell, so their large floor plan begins to become empty. Businesses begin to downsize their footprint. Footprint. Consequently, their bottom line suffers. Buildings become empty. Restaurants will be forced to close dining to about half the capacity. Again, this is already beginning to happen. On the plus side, this means that when you're actually able to go out to dinner with your family and a few friends, you'll be able to talk in the restaurant. The downside? Everyone will be required to make a reservation, and you'll be limited to a party size, maybe 10. Or it will be a first-come, first-serve, and many will be turned away. we we'll look at it this way. We won't have to squeeze by other patrons to get to that corner booth because the restaurant had to remove half their seating under the new way of doing things. For me, the plus side is I won't have to endure the personal door assaults. All of these things will happen, folks, to a certain degree. Maybe not to the extreme I imagine. I know others are thinking this as well because just the other day I happened to see a link a very respected friend of mine posted about the future of education. I skimmed the article and was shocked to see that some of the things I had said a few weeks back was in the article. It's almost like they were listening to me. Nah, not little old me. Anyway, the article spoke of students being in a classroom with 10 students per teacher, playgrounds restricted to five kids in shifts, school sessions going on in both morning and evenings, as well as some schools already planning to start as early as July and go into the summer to catch up. They spoke of renegotiation of contracts, something I'm sure teachers do not want to do. These are real concerns being addressed while many of us sit and wait or protest and scream. School schedules influence a lot of things like the travel industry. This is the domino effect that cannot be stopped and reworked. Choices made now affect our future and beyond. I already see changes happening and I'm sure you do too. We won't like them. Some of the rules will be ignored at several levels. Shortcuts will be made. I can promise you, having lived through AIDS, 9-11, SARS, H1N1, a lot of changes will happen all at once, but they will soon relax and the rules will also relax. History will still repeat itself. Well, folks, thanks for taking the trip down this rabbit hole with me. This one took me a few days to put together. You have a blessed day. Stay home, stay healthy, or go to work and stay healthy. Thanks for listening to Sass with Cass podcast. I want to hear from you. What do you think? Give it to me straight. Text or call 859-951-8870 or visit anchor.fm slash sasswithcass and leave a voice memo. Email's pretty good too. Climb aboard my Soapbox at gmail.com. As always, visit the blog at climbaboardmysoapbox.blog. Thanks for listening. Sass with Cast is available on several popular podcast platforms, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Casts and Radio Public, coming soon also to iHeartRadio. When requested, listeners' names and contact information will be omitted. We all have the right to voice our opinion, and there will be zero tolerance for any hate or ill intended communication to this podcast author or its listeners. This podcast is brought to you by the solo efforts of your host, Cass. Any and all mentions of businesses or products is purely voluntary and without compensation. When possible, businesses and products are referred to in generic terms to avoid any potential misrepresentation. SAS with CAS has the right to reuse or refuse to use any and all correspondence from listeners.